Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Midweek Mailbag. We are back here answering your Detroit Lions questions here live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. And as always, you can catch replays of us on our podcast feed or on YouTube or on Twitch, all that good things. Uh, but my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer and co-host of the Midweek Mailbag. With me as always, the, uh, I almost called you senior editor. Um, we'll, we'll just go with your managing editor slash machine title. Uh, you can find him at Eric Schlitt on Twitter. Eric Schlitt is here. What's going on, man? You're muted, you old man. I like your, um, I like your slip where where you said the win week win week mailbag like yes this is this is a winning program that we're on right here <laughs> that's right so i like it I, that subconscious is kicking in listen we're all it's it's may we're all drinking the Kool-Aid which is <laughs> an annual tradition but this time it feels like actual sustenance and not just i don't know candy coating everything at this point oh yeah um, well, yes, this this is the midweek mailbag uh, where we answer your live questions here. We usually get them through Twitter. We also take some from our live audience. If you ever want to submit a question, uh, just at our Pride of Detroit Twitter, uh, typically on Wednesday mornings. Uh, you can also throw in the hashtag AskPOD, which makes you a little bit more visible. But let's get into it. And we're going to start with a hot topic here, Eric, because oh, if you're like me, Based on everything you've heard about the Lions' plans for Hendon Hooker, based yeah. on the timeline, based on everything, it seems like we're barreling towards the Jared Goff extension here. Maybe you don't read it the same way, and we'll get into that in a second. But Jordan on Twitter asks, at Jordan17283 asks, what's a reasonable price for a Jared Goff extension, and what do you think he would demand? This is assuming he plays as well or better than he did last season, the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm still under the impression that this season is going to be the Make deciding break. factor. Yeah. yeah, like like I know an extension could get done ahead of time. Um, a quarterback position, you know, merits uh, attention all the time, right? So uh, you always are in the market and looking and deciding uh, about what you're going to do with the position. And and so I can understand if they were looking to try and get an extension done ahead of the, this, this season. But in my mind, I think the perfect scenario is to see how he does. And uh, you still have another year of contract, have him under contract. And so, uh, you know, see how he does this season. If he replicates what he did the back half of last year, then I think he's, uh, he's earned an extension. And if that happens, um, I think, the number I've kind of been sticking with is like around 45 million. Um, he's making what 30 now 31 or something like that with the little bonuses. And stuff. But I, I think 45 is uh reasonable for his age and um, 
you know, considering his history, I think that's that's kind of the number I've been stuck on. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right in that there's they probably will wait until next offseason to get something done. I know there's already, quote unquote, preliminary talks with his agent and things like that. Um, yeah. I just think like unless unless things fall apart drastically next year, it's going to happen. Um, and, and the reasoning for that is because you're not they're not going to know what Hendon Hooker is. They're not going to be prepared to move on next year because they're going to have only a very basic idea of what they have in Hendon Hooker by the by this time next year. And sure. and I don't know how they could educationally make that transition next year if if and I don't think I don't think Jared Goff is going to sit there and play on his the final year of his contract without a new deal. Does that mean he holds out? I don't know, maybe. Um, I think people just have like this vision of like, wow, the Lions treated Jared Goff so well, he's going to treat them well. And he's just going to bend over backwards to do whatever they want. Um, that that's not going to happen. I don't, I don't, he shouldn't happen if Jared, mm. Jared Goff shouldn't do that as much as it might benefit the team or benefit the front office. Uh, and I'm, ultimately I'm sure he wants to do that too. He's got to take care of himself. And if he plays as well as, as the question asks, plays as well as he did last year or better, he should get paid. And yeah. so I think he's going to demand a little bit more than 45 million. Obviously the, the salary cap is expected to go up. So with yeah. that, all the salary demands go, we, we saw Daniel Jones get 40 million a year. I think he, he would really get more than that. He should yeah. get more than that. And so 45, yes. I think is a good starting point from the lion's point of view. I think mm-hmm. he might edge closer to 50 million. I think he'll ask for 50. Right. So, and the, yeah. So, um, I, the the thing that, that that I am you know cautious about saying an extension is going to come now is because um I mean like what happens if he has a bad season like I sure. I, I get the idea that you don't a year from now you you may not know yeah what your situation is with Hendon Hooker uh, but my stance is Hendon Hooker aside. You're looking at Jared Goff's performance this season to determine if that extension is, is worth it. Because I, I mean, in the most optimistic you know point of view, you get Jared Goff under a reasonable contract, and Hendon Hooker turns into something good, and now you have two good quarterbacks. Right. And in a pessimistic kind of view, Jared Goff fumbles. Uh, you don't sign him to an extension and then Hooker never lives up to his potential. And now you have no quarterbacks, <laughs> which is, uh, I mean, that that's something that could happen, but then you're back in the quarterback market again and you can make other decisions and that's where you're at. But right now they have two options. Yeah. And, and I don't think that, I don't think they're in any rush to really need to make a decision on either because they do have Hooker for uh, four years. They're going to have golf for two and uh, it just doesn't press the need for me right now, even though if you're going, this is a, the quarterback is such a unique position that you always have to be, you know, considering what's going to, what you're going to do about it. Yeah. And the whole argument about, oh, get it done, get a deal done now. Cause it's going to be cheaper is, is just, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like a cheap argument. Cause like every, you can say that literally every year of every, every debate is like, oh, right. get it done now. What, I mean, why don't you extend Amon Ra at this point? Why don't you extend like. <laughs> It, it just, I mean, if you get it done earlier, sure, it's going to be cheaper, but the same, the same truth is going to hold next year. Get it done mm-hmm. before. Yeah. So I don't know that that argument doesn't hold a lot of sway for me, but, uh, but let's move on. Uh, yeah. Our next question. This is, this is a lighter one from uh, Ryan Souza on Twitter at Sination underscore YT on Twitter it says fun question. Would you rather, this is a tough one. Would you rather win the division, but lose the first playoff game, which would be at home worth noting or lose the division 
get in as a wild card, so not a home playoff game, but win the wild card game. And let's just for for argument's sake, let's say that they then lose in the divisional round. So home playoff loss with a, mm-hmm. a division title or away playoff win, not winning the NFC North. Here's the deal. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat the system here, and I'm gonna say that they that I could I could see them winning, let's say, double digit games. Yeah. Yet, some team go like Minnesota goes on some miracle type run, mm-hmm. and they win eleven. Okay, that's still a successful season. So give me that W in the playoffs. That's yeah. what I want, right? Yeah. I, I mean, like I'd love to. Ho- I'd love to be at a game. Uh, at Ford Field, watching the Lions, I, that's it, it, you can taste it because that's right. it. We're, we seem like we're on the precipice precipice of it, right? And so, um, but I'd, I'd I'd much rather savor a win. Yeah. Uh, so that's that'd be my choice. I, I'm with you there. I think I think just the the one playoff win in the Super Bowl era thing has been holding over this franchise head <laughs> yeah. for far too long. And I, as much yeah. as I want that playoff environment at Ford field and want a division title, another thing that has been hanging over the, the head of this franchise for, for so long um, that they've literally never won the NFC North. Uh, yeah. I still would rather have the playoff one. I'd still rather yeah. have the rush of being in a divisional round game for the first time in what seems like forever. Um, Look, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Look at look at the perspective of how people view the Vikings and the Chargers yeah. versus how they view the Jaguars. Right. Right. Yeah. Who got that win. point. So they, the I mean, the only thing is you don't get a banner, too. I don't know how much banners matter to you, but the, <laughs> I mean, having a divisional <laughs> banner would be kind of uh, nice. Hang it up. But I don't, don't care. hang them all up. We are not putting up a playoff win banner. All right. We tried, yeah. we tried the playoff appearance banner for a while, <laughs> and that was an awful idea. A playoff win banner is is not much better. Um, that to be fair though, a an NFC North division title banner, not gonna be great if you lose in the in the wild card round either, but I'd still rather just give me a playoff win. Just give me a playoff win. I, I need it. Um, Robert Brodeur on Twitter with our next question at Robert Brodeur says, how do you see the Lions working the middle of the field with Amonara St. Brown, Sam Laporta and Gibbs, uh, or using them on the field at once in general or on passing plays seems like a lot, not a lot of field for what should be three productive players. And as a follow-up, another person asked a very similar question. Frank and Salsa on Twitter asked with Gibbs and Laporta looking to get Snaps in the slot this season. I wonder, I was wondering about Amara Saints splits last year. Did he play outside at all? Does he have that capability or is he only a quote unquote slot guy? Well, let's be clear. Priority number one in the slot is Amon Ra. Sure. Right. Like no question about that. The rookies, uh, they're all going to take a backseat to the pro bowler. Okay. <laughs> um, so Gibbs is going to get uses in the slot. But Gibbs is also going to get flares out to the to the flat. He's yep. also going to run wheel routes. He's he there there. He's also going to get handoffs. Like his primary usage is not going to be just the slot. He's he's this multifaceted weapon that they're going to use in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Laporta can line up in line. He can line up in the slot. He can run outs. So like there's a lot of different things that Laporta can do as well. But when it comes to slot work. Uh, the sun god is the is the guy who's going to feast the most. So give everything to Amon Ra, just like you've always been doing, <laughs> and and then all of a sudden you get everyone else becomes uh, a carryover. The nice thing is, is like people get 
we get so focused on like who's the slot guy versus there's two slots, you know, like yeah. there, there, there's two options. You can run them at layers at, on, at different levels too. Like you're not just running guys to the same spot, right? Right. You got, you have short crossers, you have deep crossers, 10 yards, 50, like the lines are going to make hay by running like little crossers at, at, at like a five, eight yards. And then they're going to run another one at 15 and right. like be able to run these guys over in layers like that and make linebackers, make decisions, make safety. If you run, and then you run verticals on the outside and, and draw those safeties, you're going to have lots of choices on where you want to go with the ball. And so you, you can't have enough of these weapons. And so, uh, but the slot usage that starts with the sun God at the top. Yeah. And I, I think like a very simple way to think about it is, I'm going to run the slot. You got Laporta in line. And then you have Gibbs in the backfield. And if you want motion Gibbs out of the backfield, throw him out wide. Like yeah. doesn't, he doesn't have to be in the slot. He can be out wide, draw a yep. linebacker all the way out wide, opens yep. the middle of the field for those other guys. <laughs> like it, it, it can work very simply. And I, I understand like the concern of like, all these guys are probably doing their best work up the middle of the field. Totally get that. Mm-hmm. They, they, their deep threats are more, a little more scarce right now, especially with JMO going to miss the first six games. But to to answer Frankensalsa's question, St. Brown played outside, according to PFF, 42.5% of the time last season. That's more than I thought. That's a lot. That's a lot. It was only only about 20%, maybe even a little bit more, a little bit less than 20% in his rookie season. So that's kind of what I was envisioning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, who knows what, what the lines are going to do this year. That, and that's part of the fun, right? So we don't know that yeah. when you get all of these guys that can line up everywhere where, where, yeah. you know, Gibbs can be in the backfield in the slot mm-hmm. out wide. Same with Laporta. Same. I mean, I'm on can be in the backfield, right? Yeah. All those options. Everyone's going to be everywhere. And mm-hmm. um, I think, I think that's more exciting than concerning. And even, even if there is some overlapping roles there when it comes to the middle of the field, I think, I think, we we can trust Ben Johnson to find ways to get all of them open in different ways. And I think you mentioned yeah. it too. Like these guys also are going to be good in, in, in the, in the flats, right? One of the things yeah. when I was watching Sam Laporta tape is how many screens they threw to that guy. Bubbles. Yeah. A lot yeah. of bubbles, bubbles up the middle of the field, wherever. And he's got the athleticism where that's fine. Like he can make a guy, he can make a corner miss on the outside. It doesn't have to be up the middle. Uh, so and they're, they're not afraid to use their linemen. To, to yeah. try and get out right. to, the, to the slot on those either. Like yep. that, their, their linemen are athletic enough that you, when you put athletic linemen with an athletic slot catcher, uh, it's a recipe for success. Man, we're flying through questions this time. That's already four. <laughs> we're going to fit a fifth one in here. Let's do it. Uh-oh. Uh, our, our good friend Ryan, uh, Detroit and Toledo on Twitter asks, uh, what would you consider a successful season from Aaron Glenn this year? They have yet to assume for, uh, they have yet to assume for some type of regression on offense if the, uh, if the net doesn't regress. So they they need the D to set, set up because there is reason to believe they might regress on offense. Yeah. So um, what what's a successful? Let's let's start with expectations, and then also what what crosses that threshold of being a quote unquote successful year for him. In, in all honesty, for them to improve. I know people are like, man, how can they get into this range or this? If they get into the low twenties, that's a massive improvement. (laughs) Like it's a massive improvement to be able to jump 10 spots like that. So um, if, if they're in the low twenties, 
that's, I think, what the expectations are for me and, and, and something that I would consider successful. I think he can reach into the middle of the pack with this defense. Um, I'm not thinking or going in anywhere near thinking that this is like a top half of the league defense right now. Uh, could they get there? Maybe. I think that'd be great. But I'm not anticipating it. Um, and maybe that's just me being protective uh, and, and wanting to, like, you know, make sure that I'm OK inside if sure. they do, if they do, uh, you know, flail a little bit. But um, I think if they can get between 15 and 20, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, if they hit 20, that's awesome too if they're in the low 20s that's kind of what i'm expecting um but look if you get a defense that's in that range and your offense is where we think the offense can be in that like top five top six type range you win you're gonna win like that and so that's where my expectations are and if aaron glenn proves to be even better awesome i'm i have a little higher expectations and maybe this is maybe this is me riding the kool-aid high of the offseason but here's here's one piece of evidence I'll I'll provide in my favor here. From week nine on last year, the yep. Lions defensive DVOA ranked them 17th. Yeah. Middle of the middle of the pack, yeah, right good. there in the that's middle good. of the pack. And I do understand that some of those numbers are skewed by turnovers, right? The Lions were able to produce a lot of turnovers down the stretch. Mm. But part of that is earned, right? Turnovers, yeah. I understand, year to year are are random, generally speaking. Yeah, Aaron, statistically. Aaron Rodgers isn't in the conference anymore, so it's going <laughs> to yeah, be harder so on Detroit. You're going to drop yep, yep, a little Harder bit on there. Detroit's defense there. But but what else improved defensively in the second half of the season that we know pro- helps produce turnovers? Your, your pass rush. James Houston comes along. Aiden Hutchinson continues to get better. And now you add Romeo and Charles Harris to that. You add another guy in in, in the interior with Broderick Martin. You get a, a healthy Aleem. You get maybe, maybe, just maybe a Levi Onzerike at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And then you you obviously the, the secondary too, right? The, the my issue with the secondary and and maybe why we should temper expectations there is just it's it's a whole new group of guys, right? From last year, even including yeah. Tracy Walker in there, he's going to have to learn to play with tra- with uh, Kirby Joseph, something he didn't really right. do at all last season. So it it's going to take time, I think, to build that chemistry in the secondary. But I have very high expectations for that front seven, especially when it comes to pass rush. And so I think my expectations are middle of the road. Like this should be a 15 to 20 defense. And if it's not, I, I am going to be a little disappointed. I I am. And and maybe yeah. that's setting the bar too high, but remember, remember what we were saying about Aaron Glenn and what he did in new Orleans, how he took that sure. year one to year two jump. And it was massive. Yeah. Well, what did, what, what happened that offseason? They added a bunch of talent. Yeah. They just gave Aaron, Bun- Aaron Glenn a bunch of talent, especially in that secondary. So I am expecting well. a significant jump. So when I see, you know, Michael Clay, Mike Clay of ESPN ranked the Lions corners as like 26 in the league. I'm like, I don't know who that, that better is. not happen. I don't know who that guy is. Um, So look, and they added a guy who helped him make Aaron Glenn, make that jump and, right. and Gardner Johnson, right? Here's the thing. There is a going to be a pop, potential chemistry delay, right? Because you have so many new guys coming from sure. all over, but here's yep. the, here's, here's the great thing. Tracy's a great communicator. Kirby's been in the defense for for over half a year, so that's going to help him. Yep. We don't uh Sutton, what's the number one thing about him? He's the smartest guy in the field. 
right? Yep. yep. What's the what's the best thing about Brian Branch? He's the smartest guy on the field, right? CJ Gardner knows Johnson this defense, knows the scheme. Yep. So the only real question is: is it going to be Mosley or is it going to be Jerry Jacobs? Right. Who, who's started in this scheme, right? Yep. So like, I don't think it's going. There, there's going to be there's going to be some cohesion. But I'm not going in thinking that this cohesion is going to take as long as it would normally would yeah. because of the types of players, the experience of these guys. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm expecting by like that Jaguars game, everything to just be butter in that in that week two of the preseason. All right. So you think it's going to be a middle of the road slash top 10 defense. Got it. <sighs> all right let's take a break when we come back more of your lines questions here on the midweek mailbag we will be right back Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. And we are back here on the midweek mailbag, answering your questions live here on twitch.tv slash Pride Detroit. Feel free to join us Wednesday afternoons, 1230 p.m. Eastern-ish, I'll say. Sometimes we're maybe a little bit late. Uh, but let's jump back into it. Uh, at Krolik on Twitter, our good friend Jason Krolik, asked a, a two-part question here, talking about the running game on both sides of the ball, says, the Lions rushed for 2,179 yards in 2022. Will the 2023 team surpass that number? And then defensively, Lions opponents ran for 2,491 yards last year. Will Lions opponents rush for more or less yards in 2023 and why? Well, Lions will rush for more. They will hold opponents to less because the Kool-Aid is flowing, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, I don't know. I, I think that's ideally, right? Like when you look at what their off season yeah. is, their off season was designed to do that, right? right. So they, they've invested into the running game on multiple levels. They've uh, they've upgraded their offensive line depth. They're returning guys uh, like Vitae from injury. They've tried to upgrade with uh, Swift's role. They've tried to upgrade Williams' role. So I it on paper, the rushing offense should be better. And to put it into Ben Johnson's words, some of those four and five yard runs should now be gaining seven and eight yards. Right. And so you, those, you stack those up, the running game should be better. And then on the opposite side of the second part of that question, they've invested in guys to try and stop the run and maybe not as heavily as some of the guys, as some you know fans would prefer, but uh, Martin is a guy who eats, sleeps, and breathes trying to stop the run. They've they they spent a first round pick on a linebacker that's designed to stop the run, and so again on paper that's where their focus, a lot of their focus was. So yes, so on paper their off season was spent trying to increase the run and reduce the rushing yards against them. Yeah, I, I have I have a couple thoughts on both these. Let's start with the offense because I think part of the pushback from the national media on the Lions off season 
is like, why, why are you fixing something that wasn't broken? Why, you know, you rush for however many touchdowns you had a top half running game. Why are you trying to tinker with that with high resources, with a lot of free agency money with a first round draft pick. And, and I do think there's at least a little bit legitimacy to that. Cause it's like, okay, you're, I mean, the running game should be better, but how much better can it realistically be when you have decent rushing attack numbers from last year? Right. I would say I, they're, they're going to be better. I just, my, my curiosity is how much better. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to be that much better. Um, the, but, but I think the, the underrated part of what they did this off season was not just increase this year, but now they're set up for the future, right? Now they have Jameer Gibbs for the next four or five years. Now they have David Montgomery, who's younger than Jamal Williams for three years. Um, <clears throat> so it, it, while, while that move might not move the needle a ton this year, it keeps the needle high for the next extended period of time. And that shouldn't be overlooked defensively. I think people forget that this run defense turned a corner last year. And again, it, it kind of goes back to the second half of the season. They were 17th in DVOA. You look at the raw numbers and it might not be there, but it's for two reasons. Carolina game, which is which I feel like is the only thing people remember about the run defense in the second half of the season, which is wrong because right. they shut down Saquon Barkley. They shut down Aaron Jones twice. Uh, there's another one or two in there as well. Um, like Jacksonville, I don't think ran for a lot either. Um but we all kind of hyper focus on the bad, right? The one bad game. And then the other outlier that that skews the numbers is Justin Fields. Justin Fields. You yeah. played him twice in the second half of the season. And yep. listen, the Lions are gonna have to learn to stop that. <clears throat> but there's also an element of almost unstoppableness. I mean, the Bears yeah. had the best rushing attack by yards per carry by yards uh per game last season. And so to me, like a standard rushing attack. The Lions are going to be much better equipped. They were much better equipped by the end of the year because they had figured mm -hmm. a lot of things out in, in terms of what they wanted to do. Remember, they they scaled back the 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 attacking scheme and did a little bit more two gapping. I think they're from week one. They're already set up to be better than they were last year. Last year, without even taking into considering the Broderick Martins, the the Jack Campbell additions, um, the the helps in in the secondary too are, are going to help that. So. I'm, I'm with you and maybe it is Kool-Aid drinking on both of our parts, but yeah, <laughs> it should be better on both sides of the ball, stopping the run because we know that's something that they extremely value in this team. And it's mm. something that was good last year towards the end of last year, especially defensively and um, should be better with, with more talent now this year. Lions averaged 4.5 yards per rush. If you start adding on a couple of yards, you know, on those on those you know bigger runs like on yeah. your had half your runs like you that number is going to go up right like it and the the highest yard per yards per carry in the league was the bears at, at 5.4 and a lot of that was fields and so you kind of have to take that into account i mean number two was the ravens and again with lamar you kind of and 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 huntley you kind of have to take that into consideration but if you get i mean even number three is the bills right and and Josh Allen's running for a right. bunch so like when you get past like those running quarterback teams yeah and you look at like which one was like a pure running team that was like the falcons right and the falcons were running at like 4.9 uh, and then to on for total they ran for like 2700 yards okay okay and and so to if you start 
if you bump that 4.5 to like 4.7, or if you you can you think you can bump that up to 4.9 and you can get up to like that, I think that 27 is like that's in range if you can get that efficiency though. Like there's a if you get Vitae back, that could do wonders. And if Vitae is not ready and you have Graham instead of like you know your other backup rotation guards that you were using, that's makes a, that makes a big that makes a big big difference. And so the the pieces are in place. And they don't even have to be like that, like massively improved. Right. But like, if you can just be a little bit more efficient, if you can just gain a little bit more, um, it it, it will go a long way to bump it. Like, right. I think they, they finished in total yards. They were 11th in rushing. They could be top five with just a little bit of tweaking. And I think that has to be, that has to be the goal for them. Like, I think that's yeah. where they want to be. That is going to be tough though. Without, without, I mean, you just listed For off sure. those teams at the top, like having that rushing quarterback. I'm sure the yeah. Eagles were up there too, right? Yeah. If you look at pure, yeah, they were, well, they only, they were a average 4.6. Yeah. But when you look at the totality of numbers, they were fifth. Right. Right. So, so that, but, that, it's a, it's a high bar, but you're right. Like that's, that's the is. expectation here clearly. Right. Is, yeah. Is, and the, yeah, and the Falcons are going to be better, and the and the Giants are going to be good, and 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 the Browns are going to be, you know, yep. they've got two, ta- they've got talent at the running back position. 49ers are always going to be there. Yeah. Um. So like, there's there's talented running teams in the in the NFL, but like, even if you're a little bit more efficient, that I think they should be able to exceed that that twenty one hundred mark. That's fair. Um. Let's go to our next question from the real EVB. Uh, kind of sticking with the run game a little bit here. Uh, how important is the super back, aka fullback, to this offense? I'm mostly curious. As our backs and tight ends get better, is that spot redundant? Could be better utilized elsewhere. Yeah, it looks on paper. Again, it looks like it's one of those positions where it's like you're not sure what you, you know how it's being used, and then yeah. when you look at the stats, you're like, my goodness, he's Kabinda's barely getting used at all. Um, but he's still being used a lot in on offense. Like he's still rushing, you know, or he's still on the field for a certain amount of percentages. He's still contributing on special teams for a lot of percentages. Um, I don't think the position is necessarily going to go away. So like if the tight ends do get better, like the question suggests, if right. the tight ends do get better and they have someone that's capable of filling in on that role, then it is possible that maybe Kabinda, you know, becomes a little bit more vulnerable. But like, if you're looking at the roster and you're saying, okay, Laporta and, and Wright are going to make it. Mitchell's your tight end of the future. And I'm debating between Zilstra and Kabinda. I still think Kabinda has that edge because of what he does as just a pure blocker. He's yeah. much, he's a much better pure blocker. Uh, and he's he has roles on all four phases of special teams, and he has that intensity. Like when you have that that fullback out on the field, it just gives you another element that you can go to. And to replace him is is challenging. But and I don't know if they have the guy on the roster that could replace right. him right now. But could that be something that happens as they as tight ends develop or as you add more talent, maybe a year? Yeah, it's entirely possible. I still think the position itself, though, is something that's going to stick around as long as this uh or as long as this regime does. 
Yeah, I mean, that role, right? It, maybe not that yeah. position, but the role, if that makes sense. Yes. Like, they might not have yeah. a designated fullback. It might be a tight end. It might be a running back. Right. It could be whatever. Um, and so that, I mean, it does make me curious whether Kabinda's spot on the on the roster is, is safe or not. Uh, he has no guarantees left on his salary. He's making $2.5 million a game. Yep. And you look at how they used him. Well, he's been injured a lot in, over the past two years, so it's hard to know what a full health Jason Kabinda role will be. But when he was mm-hmm. in, he played about 100 snaps in eight games. So, you know, 10, 12 snaps a game is not insignificant. Um, right. It's it's we know Dan likes those. I, I mean, Jason Cabinda is is a Dan Campbell guy through and through, right? Like, yeah, like hard knocks. Who's got his start on mm-hmm. the defensive side of the ball was a pain in the ass to guys like Taylor Decker uh, as, as a pass rusher and then moved over to the defensive side of the ball. And he works mm-hmm. hard. He's a good community guy. And loves colliding with people. You you may have underestimated his a good community guy. You may have undersold him a little bit. Right. He is he is is a impressive yes uh, community leader. Uh, he is a, a locker room guy. Like was he a Walter and that's man a, of the year guy too? Walter Payton man yeah. of the year. Yes. Uh, he is, and he's one of the team's leading activists in the community as well and and that stuff again that that's part of the of the stuff with kabinda that like i don't think we can overlook too quickly because those types of leadership qualities those types of character players are things that this organization thrives on and they want in the locker room to be leaders for the rookies be lead, you know, be leaders right. in, in a lot of different avenues. They want they they don't remember this team. This organization is drafting players that they want to come in and be community advocates, right? And yeah. and and if and if Kabinda is their role model for that, it just makes life even easier for them to be able to look and see. And I mean, he works he works his tail off. Yeah. And it, when you think about like Kabinda, you need to think about like uh, how. Josh Hill was thought of right. in New Orleans, and yep. that's how they envision him. Um, I, he's 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 under the radar statistically, and and like you're not going to look at his PFF score and be like, oh, he's a guy you absolutely have to keep. But there's so many intangibles about Kabinda that makes him an appealing guy that you yeah. want on your on your roster. Yeah. And ultimately, I think it's going to come down to what you said earlier, which is, do they really have someone else on the roster that can do the things that he does? I think the right. answer is no. I, I, I don't think I don't, they do. Yeah. And so I think I don't either. I don't necessarily think he's in for like a huge role. I think he's disappointed a little bit as a receiver. Um, not that that's going to be a primary role of his, but like they haven't, we, yeah, they they've they've tried, right? Like we've seen it, especially in training camp, a lot of times where it's just like, mm-hmm. is he going to be more of an offensive weapon than we think? And then like, yeah, it gets to the regular season and he drops a pass or or whatever. Well, how many? I, I mean, like I I don't have. I'm going to look it up now that we're talking here. But like, how many passes did he get uh, last season? Because I felt like that was scaled back a little bit, maybe um, this year. Well, again, he only played what eight games, so eight games. He had, uh, he, he had four targets. He... he had seven the year before. <laughs> okay, four targets. That's not, that's not a ton, but only one guy. But look, I guess, I guess when you have uh, three hundred and forty pound offensive lineman catching passes, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, and like, well, like Brock Wright, I guess, kind of is a similar. Role. Sure. Look, yeah, they can. They can. Brock Wright has taken snaps at that yeah. fullback spot. Right. James uh, Mitchell has done it in college. Um, 
you can you you have enough athletic linemen that I think you could you could you could Joe Dahl one of these linemen and put the, put him back there and let the, like can you imagine Graham as a fullback just oh let God. him get some head or or put put Graham at left put Jonah back there and let Jonah get some steam like there there are creative ways to come up with solutions um, if for whatever reason it doesn't work out but having the guy that can do it all um is uh is just it's it's a luxury that i think they can afford right now all right uh last couple here uh another one from twitter here from jeremy giardi says it's the trade deadline aaron donald is available the rams are one in nine and stafford is hurt again are you interested how much would you be willing to give up so he doesn't go to another team like dallas buffalo etc I mean, I don't care where he goes. Um, <laughs> the question would be, am, are, I, I think they would absolutely be interested. Right. I have no idea what he would cost, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it, it, to be honest, I'm more I'm more interested in acquiring the Rams draft picks right now because their defense outside <laughs> of Aaron Donald <laughs> is Garbage, <laughs> like garbage. Well, I don't think I, so, I think well, they they obviously know that. So I don't think they're willing to give up any draft picks. For right. Them. Right. Um, Geez. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I definitely you know. Look at his, you would absolutely. Go, <clears throat> I don't care if it's a half I don't know rental I, on Aaron Donald. Right. I'm doing it. And I'm probably I'm saying I don't up. know what I would give up. Yeah. Like okay. I, I'd have to look at his contract. What I, I mean, I don't I even know how old I think okay. he's like, what, 30 something at this he's point. Got, right. Yeah. He's 32 okay. right now. Yeah. Uh, his okay. base salary this year is 13 and a half million. Next year is 10 million. Uh, he does have a roster bonus of 5 million next year. Okay. It's just signed through next year, though. Yeah. Okay. Through 2024. Yeah. I, I, I might give up a second rounder. Oh, I was thinking they were going to, they would want firsts at this, you know what I mean? Well, a 32 like, year old that might retire that even uh, if it's Aaron Donald, that might be asking uh, well, to watch. Well, isn't he like a 14 time defensive player of the year or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, you're, you're paying for his future, Eric. <laughs> right. No, I understand. I'm just saying the, those, those Rams, I'm sure are going to ask, you know, for the moon. Yeah. But, um, Boy, what an interesting twist that would be to go from we would like to give you Matthew Stafford for Aaron Donald straight up. And they're like, no. And then they're like, OK, well, let's let me we'll give you Matthew Stafford and you give us uh, Jared Goff and we'll take JMO and Gibbs. Right. And, the, and then we'll just take Donald three years later. <laughs> you know, like that would be an interesting plot twist. Uh, it'd be fun to look at that. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move away from fantasy land here and talk about oh, the yeah. harsh reality of the first six games without Jameson Williams. Because Liam the Walrus yes. asks, how do the Lions stretch the field vertically over the first six games to avoid a slow start without JMO? Well, you got you have a uh, you have two guys, or actually three guys that can that can do it. Two of them are making the roster for sure. Maybe one of them we'll see. But Marvin. It has been a field stretcher for 10 years in this league. And he that's it's what he does. Can he still do and it so, at 33? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Look, some you just have to run all speed, right? No, but you have to look the nuance in his routes and yeah. his under his understanding on how to stack right. guides and stuff like that. Like that makes him a threat. And then when you look at the fact that he's still very capable, or he's at least a threat to be capable, right? 
He's going to draw attention. And then you on the opposite side, you have Reynolds, who's been doing that's basically what he's been done. Yeah. And then let's say these guys, maybe you're having a little hiccup because he's got, you know, well, well you drafted a, a vertical guy in the seventh round. And if and if Green makes the team, that's almost exclusively what North Carolina did with him. Now, I think he has more range, and I think he's going to develop into it. But is he going to develop into it quick enough to be ready to be show that nuance? We'll see. But if you just need a guy to just run guys off, you have a third guy right there. So, yes. And if those guys don't work, just put Khalif back on the outside again because yeah. Khalif can just run guys off too. True. Right? So that they're, they're almost entire offensive outside wide receiver guys. They're almost all verticals. They're like almost all of them. And, yeah. and what you're hoping is you're hoping to be able to get these guys that are mainly vertical threats to be able to run in breaking routes. And you you saw some with, with Josh Reynolds. Um, you've tried Khalif there in the past, which, you know, isn't always necessarily the best at his size, but it's fun to watch. Um, you're developing that in JMO. Uh, and so can you develop that in green? Great. But I'm not worried about vertical stretches at all because yeah. – They've got them. They, that's mostly what they have on the outside. I, I would maybe even slip Sam Laporta into that equation a little bit. Like, obviously not necessarily on the scene, outside. Yeah. But yeah, stretch the scene, exactly. Um, I yeah. wouldn't, uh, I see some people in our in our live audience saying Jameer Gibbs. I don't think that's how they're going to use him. I think they're, they're going to try to get the ball in that guy's hand as quick as possible and let him work the yak, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I don't yeah. think you're going to see a lot of deep routes from him. Maybe you might see a wheel every now and then. Which, oh yeah, yeah. I, I love Look, myself some wheel. Get get run, run Reynolds on a 15 yard uh crossing in route. Yeah. Run run Amon Ra on a five yard crosser. Uh Marvin goes vertical deep on the outside and just wheel J- Gibbs out to the left. Yeah. Six. Every time you run it, <laughs> six points. Every time. Because I mean, what's every if you time. run everybody off that? Because if you run everyone off to that well, side but, and but, you just drop him out there, sure. no one is going to if, catch if him. If everyone only runs man defense, it works every yeah, well, time. Well, of course, you have to get the man, <laughs> but right, but whatever. But like if it's not man, if it's not man, then you just hit Amon Ra and let him let him sure. cook. Like it's the beauty of how Ben Johnson works, right? Yeah. Is he understands how to best utilize his, his, his assets, right? right? Well, it, it, it's that they have those threats at every level. You have yeah. Gibbs in the backfield, in the slot, in it's, the flats. You have all these guys that we talked about at the top in the middle of the field that can attack. And now you have these outside field stretchers on that, that can extend the defense, spread out your safeties, all that stuff. Run verticals and then Texas route Gibbs and then watch at six points. I knew you were going to get Texas route in there. I knew it. <laughs> All right. We're going to close things up there. Uh, if you, again, if you want to participate in our live midweek mailbags, join us over on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, 1230 PM Eastern Wednesday morning or afternoons. Um, but until then, for Eric, for myself, thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to rate review, subscribe, all that stuff. I think we just passed. 700 or 800 reviews keep going on apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you listen to us but until next time thanks for listening it's chaos be kind